If you enjoy these speakers, please consider joining us at the OA Birthday Party this January 18th through 20th at the LAX Hilton in sunny Los Angeles. This event includes workshops, speakers, marathons, panels, special focus meetings, and more with hundreds of OA members from around the world. Registration is just $45 through Thanksgiving and $55 after that. The OA rate at the Hilton for up to four people per room is just $134 per night. There is a hotel shuttle, so you don't even need a car. If you're interested, please visit oabirthday.org for more details. Welcome to the OA Light a Candle meeting podcast. Visit our website at oalaig.org where you will find several speaker feeds with over 800 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. The opinions expressed on the Light a Candle podcast are those of individual OA members and do not represent OA as a whole. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, David. Hi, I'm David. I am an anorexic bulimic compulsive overeater. And um, I want to thank Rashad for asking me to come out here and speak tonight and get to be with you guys. Um, Welcome to the newcomers. Congratulations to the chip takers, to the birthday people. Cindy was accepting her birthday and I was like, I was kind of laughing in the background only because I also hitchhiked from probably, I think, the same treatment facility, because um, I was kicked out, and so I was, like, laughing. It brought me back to, you know, a time in Wickenburg, Arizona, where I had a hitchhike all the way back to Phoenix and get on a Greyhound back to L.A., and that is just, like, a glimpse of the craziness, and also years before I actually got abstinent. So that tells you a little bit of, like, what it was like and really like how bad I had to or how painful it really had to get for me um and I was also just chuckling a little too because then when I was hearing Mickey's voice I was like it's the voice on the podcast so um anyways but I am so grateful to be here like so happy to be here this is like exactly where I belong um OA has given me so much. I'm, like, looking around this room right now. I'm like, oh, my God. Um, Just because, like, I think a lot of the birthday people, like, kind of hit this on the nose, you know. Connection, fellowship, community was something that um, I always actually really longed for. Um, It was always very conditional, too. Like, if I'm being really, really honest, like, it had to look a certain way for it to be right. And, um, you know, God has just, like, blessed me so heavily with, like, community in this program. And, like, that is, like, really what keeps me coming back. Um, And I want to, you know, on keeping coming back, you know, like I said, welcome to the newcomers. If you're a returnee, like, welcome back. Like, I, um, you know, I, the first time I got abstinent, I was, geez, 23 and I just turned 33 last month, and I only have four and a half years, so that lets you know, like, there was a lot of time in between, like, you know, where I didn't know what was going to happen, or if this was right for me, or if this was going to work, or, you know, if I was going to be able to 
get and stay abstinent, you know? For me, for the longest time, abstinence seemed like this thing that just, like, was not available to me, um, you know, and maybe even a thing that I really didn't want, you know? For a really long time, like, because of... You know, like I, I mentioned, I was a uh, treatment facility, babies, what I call, like, my sponsors and people, like, you know, somebody that goes through the rigmarole of, like, rehab and all that kind of stuff and, and therapy. And, you know, I thought, like, you know, maybe I was doing it for other people or, you know, because it's what I thought I needed to do or what I was supposed to do. And, you know, also... I don't think I was willing to give up the control over my body. Like, that's the other thing. Like, yes, I was in a lot of pain. And, like, yes, like, I wanted this all to stop and the insanity and the unmanageability and the wreckage and the consequences. Like, of course, like, that stuff sucks, but I won't give this up, right? Like, that's the thing. And that's where, like, the rubber really meets the road, and that's where the rubber really had to meet the road for me in this abstinence was, like, you know, if I'm willing to go to any lengths for my recovery – it includes that as well, you know, and for the longest time, like, I just, like, was not willing to give that up, you know, like, that's really where, like, cause for me, and, like, this is a perfect segue into, like, what it was like, like, that piece, the body was, it was everything, you know, because, and I'm now going to go into what it was like, cause so for me, growing up, I had a lot, I grew up in a lot of, like, chaos, okay, like, now, thank God for the steps, thank God for putting pen to paper, and I can say that today, and I don't feel like I'm blaming anyone, and I don't feel like I'm being a victim either, it's like, it is what it is, right, like, I have it down on paper, like, this is what happened, you know, and there was a lot of trauma, and there was a lot of chaos, and, you know, I'm sure everyone did the best job they could do, as we hear here all the time, sure, um, and guess what, I also did the best job I could do, you know, as a teenager, as an adolescent, as a child, like, I was doing the best job I could do, and what that looked like for me was staring in the mirror uh, at 12 years old and being like, something's wrong, and it's got to be you, you know, pointing at the mirror, right? Like, something here is wrong, and it, it's got to be me. Like, what can I do to, like, fix the problem, right? And the problem was, you know, in my mind, was, like, all the things around me and, like, you know, life and the parents that were abusive and, you know, the kids at school that made fun of me and, like, the fact that I was, like, always really sad and I didn't know why. And so, like, you know, for me, it was, okay, if I can be popular, which is what I'm talking about with this, like, conditional community, like, it, I couldn't just be friends with whoever. I had to be friends with a certain group. You know, I had to appear a certain way. I had to be perceived and received in a certain way, which is something that I still deal with today, and, like, that's where the new work gets to be for me. Um, I'll just throw that in there. And so I was like, okay, what can I do? Like, how can I, like, manage and control this? And what I found out was, you know, when I put all this attention and focus on my looks or my appearance my body, um, the other stuff doesn't seem as important. You know, it's not as painful. Um, I can, you know, focus on this and the other stuff. And, and then the thing that I can kind of control, right, because it's like this, like, semblance and, like, of control when really there's none at all, or at least, you know, in the beginning there might have been that feeling. Um, I, I could fix this. So fast forward a little bit. Um, 
I was like a dabbler, right? Like I tried doing different things. Like I was like try to restrict really hard, and this is like preteens, like twelve, thirteen, fourteen. Tried laxatives, tried throwing up, didn't work. Like I tried, I binged, like all of that stuff. You know, food for me was like, um, it's such a weird relationship, right? Because I loved food, but yet I hated fat. So then, like, where do I? How do I fit in? Um, and then what happened was my mom died when I was 15. And when my mom died when I was 15, it was like the disease and the addict was like game on. You know, I need, I had everything I needed to put like the car, the key in the ignition and just start the car. And it really became that drug for me that like when I'm focused on this, like I could let everything else go. And honestly, like, that is why I think when all the times where it was like, oh, well, I should be getting abstinent, like I was talking about in the beginning, I should be, you know, in recovery. Um, I just kind of let this one thing go because this thing was like my protection. You know, I walked through so much, like, dark uncomfortability when my mom passed away. It wasn't like, oh, I was just like, there was a whole other slew of traumatic events that happened afterwards. And, like, I held on tight to my eating disorder. Like, this was, like, my my road dog. Like, that was my best friend. And, um, you know, but what happens is, is it gets worse, you know, and it did. And it got worse for me really badly. And uh, I eventually went into an eating disorder treatment facility um, when I was 22, and I was so bad, you guys, like, I was, like, well, and I was dealing with a lot, and so I didn't really realize how much I was dealing with as far as, like, how sick I was and how many programs and, like, all, you know, and I was, like, definitely, and I was a tough case. I was also, like, too smart for my own good and, like, also just, like, not the nicest person at that age, so I was in this treatment facility. I was driving with, like, me and a bunch of girls, and um, there were a few guys, but they were, like, super quiet. And, like, and I was driving all the girls crazy. And, um, and it was, but, you know, I had probably, I had the experience that really changed my life. And so to the newcomer and the person that's coming back, I need to tell you, I did not stay abstinent after completion of that treatment facility. And I stayed abstinent for a good almost six months, if not six months, where I went through the full process. I was in this inpatient facility for four months. You know, they got me into maintenance. If you know what that means, you know what that means. Like, they did all of that stuff. Um, And I was, like, released to the world, you know, on a food plan, all this stuff. And I had to say, even though I didn't stay abstinent, um... That experience, what it showed me was A, that it was possible. B, it showed me that there was another way to live, which I didn't really realize, and how great, even if it was for a short amount of time, like how great that other way of living was. So keep coming back because... Because of that experience, I knew where the love was. So every time I relapsed, every time I went out, every time, like, I thought, this isn't for me, and, like, when I would finally find myself, as one of the birthday takers said, like, in fetal positions, saying, please, God, take this for me, like, I knew where to show up. And that was from that first experience. So there's no shame in, like, that I didn't stay abstinent. 
from that time. You know, thank God for that time because it got me to where I'm at today. Um, you know, but like I said, so it did get worse for me. Like, I'm one of those people, I always acknowledge the people who, you know, aren't, like, abstinent but still are showing up in the rooms and showing up, like, to meetings and doing outreach and all that kind of stuff because, for me, I was, like, peace. Like, I could not be in both. Like, I did not want to be around the love and the light because I'm, like, such a dark, anorexic, bulimic, compulsive eater addict that it was, like, I cannot do both. And that's really, really dangerous in my experience, you know, because there's nothing holding me back at that point, you know. And I just kept on going, digging that hole deeper and deeper and deeper. And um, eventually what happened was, you know... And I guess I'll share this. I never really talk about this, but I think there's, like, a a lot of newcomers in the room. So I had to do what, you know, was really, now I look back, is my first step, right? I had a sponsor, my first sponsor, you know, for many, many years. My sponsor in this abstinence um, up until just recently when I turned four, I switched sponsors. But, you know, she said to me, and I never heard this before, she's like, you know, we do one out there. Right? Like, that's where I get all the research I need for my first step. All of my examples of powerlessness, unmanageability, that's all done out there. That is a very sacred part of this journey for me. You know, if I don't have that experience, like, what am I, what are, what are the 12 things I'm going to write down on that paper? It needs, I, I must go through that. It talks about it in the 12 and 12, right? It's like, why the need for so many people to admit this, like, you know, to hit bottom before they can really admit powerlessness? You know, it's like, I need it to be shown that this is what happens. And so it took a long time of me having to do the same things. So wouldn't those include it? I'll get a little specific. So, like, weighing myself was this thing that, like, took me out. I learned that the hard way over and over again. It was, like, weighing myself. Um, intentionally, like, leaving things out of my food. Like, these were the things that, like, I would think you know what, I can do this, and it'll be fine, and just like, you know, I was told to me in these rooms, it's like, I just can't do a little, you know, and I'm not in control, so a lot of those things, and I share that, just, that's my experience, and so if that can help someone that's new, like, this was something that continued to take me out over and over again, so finally, after, like I said, years of coming in and out of this program, I reached a point where I was, you know, I felt very done. And what that meant for me was, you know, I had, it didn't mean I, I didn't have urges or cravings um, to want to act out. It just meant that every time I did, I was not confused anymore that if I did, I wouldn't be able to stop. And if I did, like, not only would I not be able to stop, but, you know, it equaled death for me. Like, I was very convinced at this point. It wasn't like, "Mm, maybe, or I'll just live like this for the rest of my life, or like, whatever, it's too hard. Like, I was thoroughly convinced. And, you know, and I gotta tell you, that first year was tough. Like, you know, like I said, I had a lot of, like, you know, thought wrapped around my image, my body, you know, what that looked like. And I have to say, like, it's really tough. So I want to acknowledge you if you're walking through that right now. Like, there were things that I had to do that was incredibly painful, um, you know. But 
I did them because, like I said, in my mind, when I thought of the idea of skipping a meal, I immediately thought of, if you do this, you are going to die, <laughs> which sounds really, like, morbid, but, like, that's where I was, guys. Um, and so one of those things included, like, you know, I stopped looking in the mirror. I have to, like, say this out loud because... I have a sponsor, she's not going to like that, but I do have a sponsee, and like, you know, and I, I, I I'm like, oh, sponsees are like the greatest kind of like gift, because it's such a reminder of like what, not just what it was like, but what I had to do, what I continue to have to do, and what kind of surrender is needed, and for me, because I heard it when I was in that treatment facility, this girl say, for me to do the work that is necessary for me to do here, I cannot be looking in that mirror, and that was true, like, because I would, who knows, if I was staring in that mirror, body checking every day, like, I don't know if I could eat the meals that are called upon me to eat today, and like, allow my body to change and, like, do all of those things that is necessary for some of us in this program. Um, so moving forward, I'll just say, you know, recovery and what it's like today, um, it, it's beautiful, right? It's better than I even thought it was going to be, right? It's better than it was when I had that first experience. And I was like, oh, my God, it's even so much better than that. Um, and why? I think because, you know, A, I was able to, I was able to connect to my higher power on a way that, like, I never even thought was possible, and I'm not one of those people who, like, had a problem or, or, you know, with the idea or concept of a higher power. Like, I thought I was a very spiritual person, but actually coming in here, like, yes. And I realized that, like, I was able to expand on even that, right? And, like, through doing the work and doing the steps, and I really want to pitch the steps, I'm actually about to be going through the steps. I am going through the steps for a second time, right? I was so far gone, you guys. Like, I didn't even think I was going to be able to complete the steps the first time. So let alone to think, like, I'm going through the steps a second time is amazing. Um, and, you know, there was a question. I just finished the writing for my first step of, of the going through the steps again, and there's a question in the OA workbook, so my first time I did the steps, I only did it through the big book, AA big book, and so now I'm doing it through the OA workbook, and there was a question that said, have you ever been left demoralized after trying to control yourself, and I was like, Lord, because guys, if I was to sum up my, my disease, my abstinence, my recovery, <laughs> It is in those words. It is, I am left demoralized when I try to control myself. And that's what, it isn't they control your food, or it's like when you try to control yourself. And it's like, yes. You know, when I try to control my physical appearance and the way that I look in a bathing suit, I I'm always end up left demoralized. When I, or the number on that scale, when I try to control my appearance, you know, to get the approval of some dude and, you know, blah, 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 like, I'm always left demoralized, like, that's, you know, in the four years, for sure, <laughs> um, friends, you know, all of that kind of stuff, how I want to appear, like, all of that, that's, like, control, I'm, I'm left demoralized, I never get what I want, you know, I, because I'm not enjoying what God's already giving me, and, like, that's really, like, what I've learned, and, like, what is really, like, the work for me in four and a half years, and I just want to say, like, I've had the experience, I'm so grateful for this, like, and I hope, you know, we just hear about this and talk about this more, it's like, you know, it's still such 
ups and downs, right? Like, you know, I thought getting abstinent and getting a recovery and I'm also sober in another program. Like, all of these things were just going to mean, like, that's it, you know? <laughs> like, you're good. No more worries. And, you know, not only that, like, but I realized that, you know, that's actually where I get to grow the most. Um, we have five minutes left, so I want to do Q&A if that's possible. Thank you guys. So happy to be here. So the question was, what does my daily routine look like? Um, great question, because I think it's important. So my daily routine. I get up in the morning. I get on my knees, which was a new thing once I turned four and I got a new sponsor. Um, I've never done that before. I get on my knees and I actually pray. I do the serenity prayer. And I do this. I want to actually say, like, I actually do this. <laughs> I'm not just saying this. Um, I do the serenity prayer. Because sometimes I have to pat myself on the back for all of the stuff that I do in this program. Um, anyway, so I do the serenity prayer, third step prayer, and I ask God to remove or to save me from self-centeredness. Um, I have a 12-step reader that I read from in the morning. Um, on a great day, I make three outreach calls. On a not-so-great day, like, but still great, I do three texts. <laughs> but I have to pitch outreach, because it's probably, I know a lot of people talk about meditation being where it's at. For me, outreach is where it's at, for sure. If it, I mean, and it talks about it in the book so much, it always says, if it's sex, or if it's blah, 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 or if it's this, one a compulsive eater helping another is without parallel, meaning there is nothing else that actually equals outreach and, like, working with another person. Um, I go to a meeting, I work on steps, and then, like, go to bed. Oh, I do a 10-step every night. That's really important. I do a 10-step every night, and I can't pitch the importance of that even more. Like, thank you. What is the relationship like with my higher power today? Um... It's great. I mean, it is great. I'm so an acknowledgement of there being a higher power in my life um, all the time. I think what I need to come into an acceptance of is that, like, you know, I'm changing. And so, you know, the vibe I had when I first came into this room was, like, everything was shining, you know, and everything was buzzing, and, like, I was buzzing, and it was, like, I had such a joy for living. And I feel like, you know, God now it just speaks to me in a much more subtle way. You know, and also, like, I'm a tough case, so I, I've dealt with, like, a lot of pain in sobriety. My life on a surface level looks great. I just had a lot of work to do internally, like, and I still was able to find ways of, like, really putting myself in a lot of pain in, in abstinence. I just have to say that out loud. Like, I love outward validation, and that just doesn't serve me. And, like, God just, like, has to allow me to, like, continue to hurt myself until I'm ready to stop. Like, and that's just how it works, so, like, I feel like God's, like, okay, if you've got to do that one more time, like, okay, but I'll be here, like, waiting for you, like, when you're done, like, effing around, so, it's great, <laughs> so, what does my abstinence consist of, okay, um, so, my abstinence consists of my bottom lines, which are no binging, purging, or skipping meals, restricting intentionally, um, <laughs> Three meals a day, optional snacks in between, um, including a mandatory snack if it's going to be, like, over five hours between a meal. Um, you know, I don't abstain from any one food group. For me, that just doesn't work. 
Um, I'm, but I, what I've seen in this room is that for some people they need to and that their lives change exponentially, right? So, but for me, I just don't come from that cloth. Um, but I don't know. There's so much there in, with the food stuff. I could, like, go on for forever, but, you know, I, I don't, that's all I'm going to just answer your question. Yeah. It comes down to intention. Like, everything has to come down to intention and really getting honest with myself about the things that I'm doing and why I'm doing them. Thank you, guys.